Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And I uh, haven't seen a bear yet, but I know they're coming. You're bearless? Well, they're, they've been spotted within like a 30-mile radius of my house, black bears. Mm-hmm. So it's only a matter of time before they come walking through my backyard. Yes. Bear Watch 2021. Turns out if you leave a bunch of garbage out in the backyard, that works, right? Ah, leave garbage in my neighbor's yard. There you go. Uh, you, know, you know, we get fined here if we put our garbage out early and don't keep it secured on non-garbage days. Like, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, and so. I've been to your house and I've seen the garbage can lid with the bear claw holes in it. Yes. So, the, the city actually replaced all our garbage cans with locking ones that are designed to be picked up with the automated machines and stuff. Good. And they're reinforced with steel around the lids because bears. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I don't have any more small talk, so let's get right into it with Better Know Framework. Into the large talk. All right, man. What do you got? Um, you know who Process is? P-R-O-S-U-S? Uh, no. All right. Well, uh, this is a kind of an old story from back in June, but... Uh, it's the new story is process to acquire stack overflow for $1.8 billion. Wow. Yeah. Dutch company. That's them. Okay. And, uh, I, a global consumer internet group. Yeah. Does that mean they consume internet or they consume consumers? I don't know, they, but they're, internet consumers? they're Dutch. I don't know. So they definitely they're, consume bitter balling. Something. Yes. <laughs> But bottom line is Stack Overflow is being sold. That's pretty cool, huh? It's interesting, yeah. And I want—I don't know if um, Jeff Atwood's software is part of it, like Discourse. Yeah, I don't imagine. But uh, I don't have a lot of details here. That, you know, it's also Atwood's no longer. That's well, true. Atwood's, that's true. Jeff but Atwood stepped away a long time ago. You're talking about Joel Spolsky, but even he's not the CEO of Stack Overflow anymore. He, yeah. They're both sort of moving into their second stages of life, or next stage of life. So What a great uh, success story, though, about Stack Overflow. Remember when they were just supposed to be, they, we looked at them as like this great demo app for MVC? Yep. Right. It's like, here's proof MVC can build a really scalable app. And then it, and then it was like, and, and then they turned into a product. It's like, I cannot develop without Stack Overflow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Allowing uh, .NET developers to copy and paste their way to a raise. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I got. Who's talking to us, Richard? That's really interesting. Yeah, big, it's big news. I I was looking through some of the old productivity shows, and I ran across this one, fifteen thirty four, um, which was about VS twenty seventeen. We were talking to Casey Ullenhuth. Uh, in April of 2018. So it's a couple of, couple of years ago, but mm -hmm. you know, productivity is productivity. And I love this comment from Kyle and admittedly written three years ago where he said, Hey guys, this is one of the better episodes. You should definitely have Casey back on the show again. She was, yeah, that was a while ago. Productivity is very underrated trait in the region that I work in, which is Washington, DC. Is that a, is that a government slam? Is that what that is? Okay. All right. <laughs> and I'm always looking for vanilla visual studio features that will make me more productive because I can't install extensions. Huh. Lockdown machines, right? Wow. I can't believe how much more productive visual studios become in recent years. Although I'm pretty sure I'm still only using the features invented in 2013 because I haven't found out about the new ones. Of course, this is a time when we're talking about the stuff in 2017, right? Right. I would love for a .NET Rocks to keep having folks on the show to do deep dives into the harder-to-find features that everyone can use 
including the ones in the community edition. Mm. While I'd like to know some of the more enterprise and ultimate features like code lens and live unit testing, I am restricted to using Visual Studio Professional at work because I physically work in three different locations and the least common denominator is the professional edition. And at home, I use the community edition. So the next time you're doing a show on productivity, can you talk about the features that are available in all editions of Visual Studio? That's a tough problem because it's also a moving target too. You know, what's interesting is when I was developing the first Blazor hands-on course Mm -hmm. that I did, I I did the whole thing in Visual Studio community. And there wasn't one feature that I didn't have access to. Yeah. And I was really surprised. And to... Kyle, you know, Kyle talking about code lens, like code lens now is in VS Pro as well. So I think it initially when it was in the early testing phase, it was only an enterprise feature, but they pretty quickly figured out how important it was and just put it in all editions or right. at least down to the pro edition anyway. So it, it is definitely a, a challenging moving target, but I, I get your point, Kyle. It, we tend to talk about only the maximal features and not necessarily think in terms of the various versions of the studio that are out there and how they impact things. So, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks, because we publish every show there as well. And if you comment there and I read the show, I'll send you a copy of Music to Code Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell, and I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. Uh, don't worry, we have plenty of stack space. No, nice. No, there will be no overflow. There will be no overflow. Yeah. And the crowd goes wild for another <laughs> one of my great jokes. And uh, with that, let's bring on our guest today, uh, Mika Dumont. Is, and she's a program manager at Microsoft on the .NET and Visual Studio team. And her main focus is to help .NET developers be more productive in Visual Studio. Speaking of productivity, mm-hmm. and you were. Hi, Mika. Welcome to .NET Rocks. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. No kidding. You guys have been up to stuff. We have like- been. Yeah, you know, I, I, you've been doing some posts specifically on productivity as well. So, are you on the studio team or the .NET team? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> we work. <laughs> it's confusing. Officially, I'm on the .NET team. Uh, okay. But I work on tooling, uh, you know, for Visual Studio for .NET developers. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is an interesting line there. It's the difference between working on a compiler and working on helping, helping people be useful with a compiler, too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in- interesting game. So when you say .NET, do you mean .NET framework and core and five and six and all of the things that the .NET moniker? Uh, all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. So I specifically work on uh, Roslyn, which is the uh, C-sharp and the Visual Basic compiler. So uh, my team, you know, works on all the cool productivity tools in Visual Studio. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And so on a day-to-day, I work with developers and just try to figure out ways to kind of make them more productive in Visual Studio. And you thinking about the comment earlier about code lens, that, I mean, that was enabled by Roslyn in the first place. You couldn't do code lens without Roslyn. It was, my, yeah. Yeah. So all things stem from Roslyn. <laughs> all the all the best things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I think about Roslyn, of course, I immediately think in, in in terms of productivity. I think about the code analyzers, just this ability to sort of dive deep. Do you, do you dig into that? 
Yeah, um, I actually have a talk about how to write a uh, Roslyn analyzer because uh, mm. Roslyn is open source. Uh, you know, we uh, pretty much have our APIs available to anyone. So anyone can really write their own code analysis tools. They can write their own analyzers. Uh, and so they can pretty much like hook into, uh, you know, this diagnostic, uh, the squiggle that you will see in Visual Studio. So you can write your own diagnostic and then also write your own uh, code fix for that diagnostic, which will show up in the light bulb in Visual Studio as well. So you think wow. this is more for plugin developers than people who just want to enhance their Visual Studio experience? It could be um, either or, honestly. But yeah, you can um, also, you know, ship it as a NuGet package and just have your whole team kind of use the the cool analyzers that you wrote. Uh, if you do see like any of the Roslyn uh, analyzers are missing in your uh, yeah. everyday developer productivity, uh, we also let you know people contribute to Roslyn. So if they want an analyzer, uh, we will also help them and walk them through the process to write their own, and that will hmm. also show up in Visual Studio. Do you get a lot of contributions to the Roslyn project? I don't know if you necessarily know the answer to that, but it's like, I know you guys work on it all the time, but for external people to contribute to what is a pretty complex piece of software. It is complex. And one of the things that, you know, we are looking at is how do we, you know, make it more approachable? And mm -hmm. so uh, something that I am looking at is uh, Code Tours. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it is uh, an extension. Uh, you can actually pretty much show people how to use the code base. So it's like a tour. So you can kind of be like, this is where you would get started. And it's pretty much just writing like documentation uh, throughout, you know, your repo on GitHub. So is that, it? this is an extension code tour? Yeah, code tour. So uh, yeah, so we're looking into that, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool because we do find that, you know, it is hard to get started uh, writing an analyzer or contributing to Roslyn. So uh, we're just trying to uh, figure out ways to make it more approachable. Interesting. Yeah. And, and it, but it also speaks to the idea that you want more contributors as well. We definitely like, do. Yeah. We have thousands of issues currently. Uh, so uh, the, as much help as we can get, that would be great. And um, we have, you know, a lot of contributors that, really do so much and we're so grateful to them and you know every release uh visual studio release we will have all these release notes of just tons of uh the dotnet productivity features that come out and a lot of them are actually uh open source contributions and so um you know we have a whole community that will actually just go ahead and write their own like intellisense completion features their own code fixes their own refactorings uh we even have people writing like contributing to our docs which is super helpful for me because uh doc writing is part of the job here and so right. uh, when i see that i'm like so thankful and it's pretty amazing what do you know about copilot <laughs> so, so Honestly, uh, I watched a demo for it a few weeks ago. Um, I actually didn't know too much about it beforehand. Um, it's awesome. It's scary, isn't it? I mean, it is. For, for those yeah. who don't know what it is, it's an AI pair programmer. <laughs> so you can basically tell it in English what you want it to write, and it'll pretty much do it. It's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, watch the video. It's uh, copilot.github.com. But I wonder Spooky. if, you know, you guys at, at Microsoft are obviously trying to leverage AI in the IDE. And uh, it, you know, this is a really good example of that. 
Yeah, we we do have a team um, in Visual Studio called IntelliCode, uh, and they leverage AI. So you will see IntelliCode in the IntelliSense completion list. So you'll see those star suggestions. Uh, that is, you know, offering suggestions based on you know different patterns that they found. So you know, that's kind of the machine learning bits that we add to Visual Studio. Uh, and in Visual Studio 2022, uh, IntelliCode has whole line completion. So uh, using it uses like flash fills, I think it's called. And so mm-hmm. if you start writing code, it will complete the line for you, um, you know, based on just different patterns. And so that reminded me of CodePilot a bit because it's yeah, crazy enough to be able to just write a few... Uh, you know, just write a few lines of code and then all of a sudden get it all uh, completed for you automatically. Uh, so, yeah, we're definitely doing similar things, um, but I do not know the plan for what we're going yeah. to be doing with them. I, ha- I have reached out to Nat Friedman because it is a GitHub project, Copilot. Yeah. And, and said, hey, we should talk. <laughs> I, I think it'd be a great show. I'd love to, to, to have his, his thoughts on on all of that. And we've done some interviews with some of the IntelliCode folks because this is another area where there's just so many, so many features, so many things going on that I, I just don't know that folks can see them all. Like that's just the challenge <laughs> with productivity, right? Like how do you surface productivity features to existing developers to get them to use them? Yeah, I mean, one of our biggest problems is discoverability. I feel like it's like mm-hmm. the classic Visual Studio problem for <laughs> the past years. Um, you know, we'll get requests from developers like i wish you had changed signature and it's like what well, we do like we've had it since i even <laughs> uh, before i even joined the team so uh, you know uh some things that we're trying to do is like trying to f- uh, figure out ways to kind of improve the light bulb interaction model so like right. we're working to enhance like you know the light bulb heuristic and have a better ux maybe like we can have a search in there or a filter uh, we can maybe group certain shortcuts together have a have like a keyboard shortcut for them too like a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I, I know I want to take this member and I just want to like move it to like another class or something. And so maybe having like a shortcut for all of our different like move refactorings, like, you know, move to namespace, you know, that would also right. help. So we're currently uh, testing that. Um, and, you know, we, we also have all these user studies where we'll watch developers. Uh, we'll just ask them to do like little tasks, like, oh, like pull members up or extract an interface and oftentimes they're doing it manually. So we do have, you know, the refactorings available in the margins. We'll have like the light bulb or the screwdriver, but, uh, you know, for some reason, like they're not really like, they don't always see them, right? Yeah. They're not entirely relying on them. So, yeah, uh, I, I think, I think it's challenging, especially someone who's used studio for a while. Like you see the things you're looking for and you're blind to the things you're not. <laughs> yeah. there's, the, there's stuff on the screen and you literally, it's like, you cannot see it's there. It's cognitive overload too. So yeah. it's like, yep. you, it kind of becomes white noise when you're when you're overwhelmed, you know, uh, with all these different features. And uh, yeah, I mean, this, these are these are some things that we are trying to figure out. You know, uh, focus mode or Zen mode has been something that like we've been talking about for a while. And so hopefully, uh, you know, the Visual Studio team will be able to like get some traction on that and implement that. Because that would be awesome to have right. that. So you can kind of configure like what you want, but then that's helpful for developers that like, no, that don't want to be, you know, overloaded with all this information. Uh, so we have like, you know, two types of developers that want everything. And then some that like 
you know, don't and they want, you know, Visual Studio to feel more like a light editor. Oh, I think you're being way too positive to say there's only two uh-huh. kinds of developer. I think <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that uh, they all come down to the same thing. I want all the things, but interrupted with none of them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> uh, or, or I only want to be interrupted by the one thing. I almost wonder if, because I know I've done this wa- observing a developer. You could tell the difference between them being in the zone, cranking the code, working the problem. Like the cycle is tight with them too. And we always talk about the tools being efficient in the cycle. But you, it's interesting to watch a dev who's in the cycle well, write some code, run some code, see the problem, fix the problem, run the code again, you know, bang, bang, bang. And somebody who's flailing, who's why, why is this not working the way I want to? Like it's, it's almost as if, like I don't want, I'm not going to say I want Clippy to pop up, but I want the U, I want the UX to recognize when I'm thrashing and start adding the helping, trying to help me. Like, have you looked at this squiggle over here or this screwdriver over here? Like maybe your help is here. And the rest of the time, if you're grooving, I'm going to fade all that stuff out so that I, nothing interrupts your groove. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that another thing that we're actually work, like working on currently is enhancing the refactoring and the code fix experience, leveraging mm-hmm. AI. So uh, it uses programming by examples to understand how uh, a large set of developers work in order to help us actually make informative decisions for our code fixes and refactoring. So instead of, you know, hard coding the exact patterns that like the Roslyn team would expect and are biased towards based on our own personal coding practices, uh, we can, you know, use... Uh, AI to understand how a large set of developers work and then offer the code fixes and refactorings even as the developers partway through doing it themselves. So we right. don't have to like force them to be in a clean state. Um, yeah. Or to do the house housekeeping for the, for the tweak to the style, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I popped open the Rosalind issue list. <laughs> there are, I, I mean, we're recording this at the, in the, in late July. There are 8,000 plus open issues here. Yeah. Are they all important? <laughs> you, I mean, I do see triage flags and things. Like, clearly, there's untriage stuff. But, you know, you're talking about how folks are asking for features like, ah, it's already in there. It's over here. Right. Like, if I got to think you get rid of all of those in this issue list pretty quickly. Like, uh, that feature exists. That one exists. So, these are open because there's a, they're there. There's a there. Yeah, so a lot of, if there is a duplicate, we will, you know, we do our best to triage it and just close it as mm-hmm. a duplicate. Um, you know, there are just like a lot of uh, feature requests because again, like tooling is just like a really sensitive area. Like each sure. person wants their own specific tool set. So the real trick is to kind of, uh, you know, group certain requests that are very similar and figure out a way where like you can make most people happy with like a yeah. the best design. So that's kind of the trick. And the so common, common themes that emerge, yeah. right? Everybody wants to work the way they want to work and you know, and you can't do it all. So I, but I also see a bunch of the, you were saying like, we really want your help. Yeah. There's a bunch of these tagged with help wanted. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. These are ones where other folks could be working on this. It's that's kind of cool. Yeah, we've definitely met people and interviewed folks that it was a it was like a bucket list item to make a contribution to C sharp or to Roslyn or something like that and have it accepted and incorporated in the product. Like that's a great milestone to just take. Oh, well, no, my my efforts are in there. There's my little piece. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I I know like uh, we used to send out, you know, mugs and like different incentives to developers that like pretty much uh, helps us out. 
And uh, we started to bring that back again. Uh, we're also thinking about maybe doing like, we, d- we want to do more like pair programming maybe, or like mm-hmm. hackathon where we sort of, uh, you know, work with like even like students in colleges. Like we had uh, some of the Roslyn engineers, you know, speak at different universities about uh, their research pro- projects could be like actually uh, writing an analyzer and mm-hmm. uh, writing their own code analysis tools. So uh, we're trying to figure out like different ways to uh, get more of these help wanted issues uh, merged, I guess, and closed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you happen to know what the uh, difference is in terms of users of Visual Studio Code versus Visual Studio proper? Are more people using code now? Um, I actually don't have the exact numbers offhand, but, you know, Visual Studio Code, uh, there is like an education pack included in that for uh, C-sharp developers. And so that is brand new or something that we're like, um, that we're working on and you know we kind of look at visual studio code more of like a a place uh for you know newer developers to kind of go to and start with and uh then when they want to you know upgrade to having like a rich debugger rich code analysis like live unit testing like all these you know uh pretty much advanced capabilities they can Mm -hmm. you know graduate to visual studio Mm mm-hmm but yeah, you're not necessarily driving people to Visual Studio per se. No. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I definitely found there's different styles of dev. There's stuff you that you know I find, and maybe this is I've been doing this for so long. Like, I find Studio super comfortable. Like I'm familiar when I'm in there. But there's some you know you know what's not fun to do in Studio Python. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Python's good. I when I'm writing some Python code, mostly for automating my house, I write in in code. In Studio Code, right? Like it's it's better there. Like it's not, not for all things. Like I know we can work in other languages inside of Studio, but .NET, you know, C Sharp and 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 HTML and stuff. That's what I seem to do there. And then a, other languages, you jump out, you go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, Visual Studio's uh, largest customer is the .NET customer, so it sure. makes sense. And then I think C plus plus after that, and yeah, it's a, a friendly place. <laughs> so I got to ask this question then. It's like when somebody says, how do I get more productive in studio? Where do you even start? <laughs> so uh, pretty much we have a, uh, we have, well, I, I will point them to like our docs. Uh, mm-hmm. We have, you can go to aka.ms uh, refactor code. <laughs> so pretty much you can just go to, you know, Microsoft docs. Uh, we have productivity guides there. Um, you know, uh, also, we have tons of talks that we do and blog posts. Mm-hmm. So I'll also point people to that. And um, I also want to like understand their workflow. So I'll be like, right. please let me know like what you're trying to do. And can I watch you code? <laughs> Just like creep in the background. like you know. <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy at all. Mika. Can I watch you code? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I totally get it. It's like, I know from doing presentations that... You know, you learn certain shortcut keys in, in presenting and uh, and half the time people are no longer interested in your code. They're interested in how you made Studio do that. It's like, what what key did, what key press did you just hit? Why did it switch over to that thing? Like, how did you do that? Like <laughs> that actually grabs their attention more than the, the thing you were trying to demonstrate. Yeah, because, you know, there's so many, you know, features in Visual Studio. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know 
how many like power users there are that know about every single thing, but I'm like I, discovering I, new things every day. Yeah. I think it's none. I think nobody <laughs> yeah. knows them all. There's too many. I know. And so we want to figure out like, how can we, you know, introduce our features to developers like that, that would find it helpful and useful, you know? Yeah. Without a doubt. And just try and try and just put all those things in place or prime. Yeah. It's almost like you have to give yourself a mission to practice a shortcut key, you know, one at a time kind of thing. And add the <laughs> yeah. so you remember them. I was using visual studio, not realizing there was a search bar up there <laughs> for probably a couple of years until I, you know, somebody pointed it out and I was like, Oh my God. Cause the worst thing in the world is scrolling through tools options. Right. And trying to find, well, even that has a search now, but, um, you know, scrolling through all the menus, trying to find things. Uh, for yeah. example, why is the package manager console buried in the other windows list? Right. It was always like, <laughs> this is the first what? window I want to use. Why is yeah. it second class citizen? Yeah. Um, I, I have to like right click on like my projects and go to it. Cause I'm like, where is this? Um, but honestly I use, so I know about the control Q search, um, but it is yeah. really small. So I am advocating to make it larger because I don't think it's as discoverable as it can be. And I think it's because it has to do with like the size, which is, you know, based on feedback that we have received. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you could always control Q and type package manager and open it through there. So we, we do surface a lot of our tools options in control Q. We also uh, have the shortcuts next to it. So if you want to like run a test and you forgot, you know, the shortcut, you can just, you know, type control Q, run test, and you can either press enter and it'll, you know, open the test explorer or it'll show the shortcut too. So next to each, each action that you want to take. Um, and, you know, we are advocating to also get like, you know, shortcuts, just like a list of all the shortcuts, like a little productivity shortcut guide in, uh, <laughs> in Visual Studio. Uh, you know, like VS Code has that, which is really cool and super yeah. helpful. So, uh, yeah, we're hopefully going to be working on some of that too. Yeah, good. So do you recommend Code Rush, Refactor, like all of these kind of tools that help people uh, go code at lightning speed? Do you have a favorite? I mean, you guys use both, um, I'm sure, and you support both and other things like it. Uh, yeah, you mean like all the different extensions that, yeah. that are... Yeah, I mean, I think Codemate is really cool. So I definitely, you know, everyone should use, you know, whichever extension will help them be most productive. Um, you know, we would love to also offer a lot of these, you know, within Visual Studio. And that's sort of like, um, you know, something where we're like, oh, you know, you know, extensions are like our partners, extension mm -hmm. authors. So we also don't want to like overstep what they're doing. So, you know, we have a really good relationship. A lot of them also use like Roslyn for a lot of their stuff too. So mm -hmm. um, it's a really great ecosystem. I really like, you know, uh, a lot of the extensions and I play around with them all the time, but I usually uh, use vanilla uh, visual studio, I guess you can right. call it just so I can discover like, you know, gaps, like the little sure. paper cuts. So yeah. Well, and, I, and then thinking back to the comment again about a fellow who has to use Vanilla Studio, but and and is excited with the features that are incorporated in. But there's got to be this dance between a feature implemented in an extension or in many extensions, and when do you just incorporate it into the base product? Yeah, we you know because we are open source, it's it, it makes my job so much easier because right. I'm not thinking what do we do next? Like, what do people really need? Like. 
I think about that in terms of like, you know, big picture, like, you know, okay, I'm looking at all these issues. Like, what does this really mean? Like, what does this user really want? Um, by, you know, a lot of times, like if we get an issue, it can come from like, oh, you know, Codemade has this and Ruby Cool Visual Studio had it, let's say. And so it depends on how many upvotes it gets. And that's kind of actually how we uh, prioritize future work is the upvotes. Uh, so if you're on GitHub and you file an issue, try to get all your friends to upvote it so we can add it to the product. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of wait, you know, for that. And, um, a little social pressure built in there. If you can <laughs> yeah. campaign for your feature well enough, you know, you too could get it prioritized. Yeah, a lot That's of times funny. I'll see like some of the Visual Studio PMs, like they'll they'll be like, Oh, I really want this feature in and they'll like tweet it and be like, Who else wants it? And like they'll get a ton of upvotes and then like we'll be like, Okay, we'll implement it, you know. <laughs> so that's like a good trick also to get your feature requests in. <laughs> yeah, if you can get a good Twitter storm going, oh, let's be clear. If you can get Scott Hanselman to retweet your, your exactly. feature request, <laughs> that'll push the numbers over. Right How to like aim that. the system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the funny part is I know Scott is super careful with that sort of thing, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he's just very aware, you know, of that, the power that he holds. Power. Yeah, right. There's a lot of followers, man. Like, that, it's not, it's not, a, <laughs> not a trivial thing. He's th- He is thoughtful, and thank goodness for that. He's a one-man slash dot. <laughs> <laughs> man, there's a callback for you. I know, right? A, a People are like, what? Dot. You got a what? Slash what is what? that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is an interesting to see how it's shaped. And you, you, Roslyn is open source, but Studio is not. It is not, and that's an interesting line. You know, I think I wonder how often you get issue requests into Roslyn. It's like that should probably actually be a part of Studio all the time, actually. Um, yeah, and a lot of times I'm sort of like, let's just do it, like you know, because I just want to get it in, and then like yeah. the engineer lead on Roslyn has to be like. The platform, like Visual Studio, should implement this, and right. um, so I have to kind of take a step back and be like, "You're right." Um, but I get really excited sometimes, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, like like color picker." Like I would love to change colors within Visual Studio easily, you know? Right. Um, so that's something we've received recently, and um, instead, I'm kind of behind the scenes sending that feedback to you know the Visual Studio team to be like, "We should mm-hmm. get this in." Um. And I'm sure it's on. It's sure it's already on a list somewhere. Like it's not the first time anybody's thought. You know, it'd be great. A great color pen. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's been in the stack for years and years. It's just a question of how does it get into a sprint and be part of a build. Here's a good thing that would be cool in Visual Studio because I've had to go off on the internet's for this. <clears throat> You're building a website, and now you need to make like icons of different sizes. You know, for your fave icon and for all of the social media stuff that websites, you know, need. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to just take an image and say, all right, Visual Studio, make all the different permutations of resolution and whatever that I'm going to need for all of my metadata. Yeah, that would be really cool. What, what frameworks do you usually use when you... Uh, I can't remember the website name, but um, but it's in my favorites list. And uh, <laughs> it basically, you upload a, a, a PNG file, and it spits out icons and other JPEG and PNG files of different sizes that you're going to need. And, and also, like, all the metadata that you're going to need for, you know, everybody to discover you. 
That's really cool. You should send feedback to uh I believe Visual I will do that. Yeah, Visual Studio. <laughs> the the little send feedback bubble in Visual Studio that uh actually, you know, does go to developer community, but it does, you know, mm. it's pretty much allows you to kind of just send feedback and then it will uh pretty much, you know, go to each and one of our teams. So we get all that feedback as well. So we're working kind of within developer community and GitHub. Um, wow, that's just, cool. Yeah. I'm sure there's a plug-in for it. Somewhere. So that's where that goes, huh? If I if I put stuff into that bubble, it, it goes straight to you. It, it depends. Like, there's a person that triages it behind the scenes. So right. if it's the color picker issue, it'll go to the Visual Studio team. If it's uh, a Roslyn analyzer issue, it'll go to me. So uh, we're going to let you kind of pick your favorite productivity tools that we haven't talked about yet in Visual Studio. Ooh. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I can't really choose a favorite. Um, I guess one of the newer ones that we added is, uh, inline hints. So we added these, you know, adornments, uh, where you, for literals and passive literals, uh, and object instantiations. So that will show up like prior to each argument and function calls. Okay. Uh, so we added that, which is really helpful. And uh, you will need to actually enable that in tools options. Uh, we have it for both C Sharp and Visual Basic, but you can always just use the keyboard shortcut. Um, I believe it's like Alt F1 to quickly toggle those on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really cool. And uh, we also have a feature called Inheritance Margin, which uh, pretty much inserts these icons in the margin. So you can just see, uh, you know, all of your different... Uh, inheritors or overrides and you can also like navigate to them as well mm. so uh that's also uh brand new another one that i was insanely excited about and i'm like so happy we finally got this one in but it is um add missing using directives on pace so if you just copy a type into another file instead of offering like the you know the fix to actually add the missing using directive we will just go ahead and automatically do that for you once you like like on pace pretty much mm. Wow. Yeah, I have noticed yeah. that happening lately. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't cool. have to do that. Yeah. Would, but that brings up an interesting point, right? Like you just surface that behavior and you, and you hope that you delight someone with it, right? As opposed to, why did you just spit all that code out at me? That's not what I typed. Like, that's That's got to be an interesting line to dance. Because like, clearly was, Carl was impressed. I was delighted. Yes, what you were I delighted. And, it, and if you do it right, that's the reaction. Delight. Ooh, <laughs> you just saved me effort. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But how do you get that right? Yeah, I, I mean, we look at telemetry. So, add missing using directives is like one of the most used uh, code fixes. And we're like, you mm -hmm. know what? How can we enhance this experience? Like, mm -hmm. let's just add it for them. And, you know, we have uh, IntelliSense completion for unimported types that will essentially do this for you when you're typing. And people have requested that so much. So we're like, why stop when typing? Why not also now when pasting? So uh, we, you know, we look at telemetry, we see how we can kind of like enhance the current experience. Um, and then we also, you know, have got, have received so many requests for features. And then, you know, we're like, oh yeah, let's just enhance this one too. Like, why not? And uh, hopefully people won't yell at us, <laughs> but <laughs> we uh, we did make sure that like if you do type control Z, like if you just undo that operation, it'll actually undo first the the using directives, and then uh, if you do it if you do another undo, it'll undo the paste as well. So it's kind of like a two step operation, but it happens at once. 
you know? Yeah. But I love that you acknowledge that it's actually a two-press product. This, here's what you typed. Here's what we're adding to it to <laughs> yeah. help you. And you can take our stuff out without taking your stuff out. Like, exactly. that's also respectful. Yeah. To, to acknowledge that these are two different things as much as you're, you're trying to do the right thing. It also occurs to me, that's how you get rid of shortcut keys. You don't put shortcut keys in the first place. You just recognize this is where you need this code and put it in. <laughs> yep. You know, if there was an alt U to have to put in the missing usings, I don't know that anybody know about it. Do you guys uh, play around with input devices other than keyboards and mice um, for Visual Studio? Uh, I'm thinking of wacky things like the emotive headset, you know, the things that like read your mind and you can, you know, think think of some code and it happens. Or, I mean, I don't even eye tracking. Um Wow, that is really cool. I do not know that. Um, How about speech? You know anybody who writes code by speaking to their computer? I I know that Visual Studio, uh, one of, you know, our criteria is accessibility. So I think we do have that. I've never played around with it um, where if you speak the code, it will write it for you. Um, (laughs) It's really, really cool, especially for folks that might have like carpal tunnel probably typing, which I feel like I'm on the verge of getting. Right, right. But if you think about it, I mean, maybe it's not a good idea because most developers are kind of (laughs) introverted and they don't like speaking. I kind of like going off to code and not actually having to talk to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. But I I mean, I do appreciate the idea that some folks need help, right? There are products out there like Audible Code and things like that that are – extensions to allow people to code by voice when they can't type. Well, that that in, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. If yeah. You, if you're uh, handicapped or, or can't use a keyboard, there yeah, are all manner to. of input devices you can use, yeah. And it, this is a bit of an aside, but I've been doing a podcast series on consumer neuroscience. And so they do a bunch of this interesting in, instrumentation, uh, specifically get away from surveying people because they, you know, kind of make up the answers versus just looking at people's actual response. And one of the tools they test with a thing called the galvanic skin response. Oh, right. The, an extreme version of the galvanic skin response is like the chill you get when something frightens you or upsets you. But there are small galvanic skin responses and they're, they're kind of involuntary. They just happen. Like and the so horror like, that that sets in when you realize you have four hours of refactoring to do before you can yeah. write the next line of actual code. Or when Clippy pops up, right? Like there's a bunch <laughs> of reasons to have a galvanic skin response. And it makes you wonder if we didn't have that wired in. Again, I, to, me, to me, it's almost like another way to detect thrashing, right? Or to detect mm. that the your, you know, the usings pop up and there's a galvanic skin response. <laughs> <laughs> the usings pop away. It's like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Flippy kind of proved yeah. that that you can't really predict what people are doing and offer help when it when you know. I don't know. I think it wasn't good enough at the time, and you know, the, you, we keep bringing it up just because you more and more you're seeing tooling that looks a lot like what Clippy meant to do. Well, this GitHub Copilot thing is certainly yeah. in that creepy realm. Oh, no, it's, we're definitely getting into super clippy. And there are people who are concerned about it taking away their jobs. Like, it's oh, that wow. good. Which I just don't have any basis for. It's not like anybody ever got to the bottom of their to-do list, right? Like, I agree. Yeah. There's so much to do. But, but you know, check out that video because it is, it's yeah, kind of scary. It's chilly. 
but it, it's just I, I still see it as a tool for amplifying your thoughts, not its thoughts. It's not that's, thinking. It's just that's a true. Tool. You're right. Yeah. You know, so is studio. You know, if you really wanted to be do this, you'd be organizing electrons with your chromium tip tweezers. Like, <laughs> no, you use studio <laughs> instead, right? Zero one zero zero one zero zero one. You could be. <laughs> don't tell me you don't use a tool because you do. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a series of digressions. This show, Mika. I, don't, <laughs> okay. I, I apologize, but we all we get so excited about you know the productivity of studio and and all the things that are in there. It's I'll just hard what, to sort through them. It, it isn't just studio that has increased my productivity lately. It's the the Blazor platform. Mm. It just took it to a whole new level. And, you know, if you add in generics and uh, generic types and components and, um, uh, you know, different patterns for reusability, it's like, you know, the the stuff that took you days before can take one or two, one or two hours. And, uh, and, of course, Azure, like the whole package of the Microsoft stack for me just reeks of productivity whereas other platforms and even cloud platforms even developer tools like there's such a learning curve that well you know maybe the learning curve is for me on anything but visual studio because i know it so well but but these mm. tools have evolved so well to the point where i can get so much done fa- so much faster now than i could before just yeah. a few years ago yeah like you know we're always like figuring out ways where we can kind of you know, um, reduce the developer inner loop is what we call it. So, yeah. uh, we have all these cool new things like, you know, hot reload where, uh, you know, you can modify your app source code while the application is running without the need to manually pause or hit a break point. So like this reduces the developer inner loop tremendously. Uh, it's similar to like edit and continue. I don't know if Either of you have ever used that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we have. And we just talked to Dimitri uh, an hour ago, which was actually last week's show. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, we're very excited about that. You guys keep pushing up previews of Studio 22, too. So, it's so often we have to talk about it because it's still a few months away from shipping. But, you know, these previews are good. Like, you can take them out for a spin and really get stuff done with them. Is there anything productivity-wise that you have scheduled for the .NET 6 time frame that you can talk about that we might not know about? Ooh, one of all the secrets. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess nothing really is a secret because we are working on everything on GitHub. So, you can always see that, you know, right. um, since we're open source. Uh, one of the big things that we're doing uh, for .NET 6 actually is, I don't know if you've ever used .NET format. Uh, but it's just a, you know, a global tool that you can just run and it will format your white space and your code style uh, analyzers. So we're actually uh, adding that to the .NET CLI. So like you can actually just type .NET format and it'll fix up your white space, or your naming styles, and it'll also fix up uh, third-party analyzers. So if you have style comp installed or XUnit, uh, it will actually apply whatever you set in your editor config file for, you know, those wow. NuGet packages. Uh, just pretty powerful. So that's just going to be in the .NET 6 CLI. And then we also um, are going to surface that in code cleanup. So code cleanup is just something that was started, you know, before I even started on the team, it was never really finished. And so we're uh, going to fix up that user experience and have it work seamlessly with editor config. And, you know, 
make sure that you can kind of hook your editor config up with code cleanups. Whatever you set in there, it'll just apply everything. So are you talking about right click on the solution and say clean solution? Or is this something else? Uh, It's actually like, yeah, it's under, uh, I guess it's like under like run, like it's under code analysis and then it's run code cleanup. So it's a different, it's different than clean solution. It's actually like applying all of your different uh, code style or white space and, and analyzer fixers. So, so injected variables become underscores, that kind of thing. Can underscore camel case. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. I could have used that on a project a few years ago. (laughs) I got yelled at all the time for not following their conventions. (laughs) Well, it's a lot of ritual, right? So it's good to have a tool that just tidies it up for you. Hell, I love control E, control D. I think that's a godsend. (laughs) You know, when you're, when you're indents get all screwed up, uh, you know, especially working with blazer because the, the code block editor still has a few hiccups in it. And so, it can get confused easily. Control E, Control D, everything lines back up again. Yeah, and uh, we're actually one of the things that we're looking at too is code cleanup on save. So you know, a lot uh-huh. of times, a lot of press that we've been receiving is like, I want auto format. Like you know, you right. want you want us to fix up, yeah, your your white space and all that. So we're uh, looking at also having uh, this just happen automatically for you whenever you just type Control S or you know, uh-huh. whenever you save a file. Nice. It occurs to me, like, you talk about features and extensions. Like, this is something ReSharper and, and Code Rush have been doing for ages. Is, yeah. Is some level of code cleanup. Yeah, they have been. Um, yeah, a lot of people have been uh, requesting it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to hopefully get it in finally. So, we're really excited about that. Put it in the box. Put it in the box, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, not a bad thing. It, it is interesting in terms of thinking about code that's legible to others yeah <laughs> well i guess you too because i don't know about you but like an hour later i have no idea what i wrote right <laughs> <laughs> the comments wtf was i thinking yeah what was see i that, thinking? see that once in a while <laughs> when so, i wrote this it was between me and god now only god <laughs> <laughs> i think Codepilot does that too where like you can just write comments and i'll know what you want to write or something <laughs> yeah. it goes back to Codepilot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get really stoned and watch that video and I'll just be like <laughs> double amazed. Um, so what's in your uh, inbox, Mika? What's next for you? Wow. What's next for me? Uh, I don't know if I'm, if I can. What are we on? Preview two for studio right now? <laughs> we're actually working two? on preview three. Uh, so okay. it's a lot of this code clean up. We're adding, uh, adjust namespace hopefully we'll get into that so you can just mm-hmm. adjust a namespace across your solution uh when you just like right click on a solution solution explorer um we're also looking at some like interactive experiences too uh, i had a presentation this morning about it <laughs> mm. uh, it's gonna dev super current. together yeah so uh we're really excited about that and um i don't know i mean we have a we pretty much have a list of uh, work items that we're working on on GitHub. It just has like uh, Dev 17 sort of as a tag. So you can always right. look for that too. It's mm. Dev 17 priority. So that's uh, what I'm thinking about next. That's <laughs> what I'm pretty much. How many previews are we going to get before the product ships? Because it looks like you're doing a preview a month right now, right? The preview one was in June. Preview mm-hmm. two just came out in July. Yeah. Are you on track for preview three in August? 
Uh, we are. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. So then September, October, November, could we get to a preview six? Or is, that's crazy. That's a lot of previews. Yeah, currently, um, I believe we have like four. <laughs> so, right. yeah. That's plenty. I'm not going to argue with you. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many you really need. I, yeah. I love being able to take the bits out for a spin early. Like, that's good fun, too. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we have these preview releases, because we want developers to use it we, and give us feedback. So, mm -hmm. um, as long as they're okay that the experience is uh more of like a prototype sometimes a prototype experience um yeah we you know we really want to make sure that they get to use all the latest things that we're thinking about and adding to the product and we want to get all that feedback so we can uh, ship it no, i appreciate that yeah good stuff very good well it's been a pleasure talking to you mika thank you very much and always good to hear what's going on in productivity land yeah uh thanks so much for having me you're welcome and we'll talk to you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the MCC. Yes, I'm a 